warning. This is explicit content. There is talk of murder. There is trigger warnings for child death. And so please be aware if you continue onto this podcast, onto this episode, it is a true crime episode. Do you think you're paying too much for insurance? Do you just want to see if maybe there's some better rates out there? Then call Integrity Insurance and ask for Haley Kirshner. 304-346-9181. So I just want to add my personal experience with Integrity. My husband is a general contractor, which I'm sure you know if you've listened to my podcast because um, I've shouted out his small business and hope that maybe you want to give him a call right now. But anyway... I was looking for him some insurance because, you know, you need to have business insurance. And everywhere was just skyrocket rates. And I was like, dude, we cannot pay this. We're a small business. We got two kids. So I saw that Haley, we're friends on Facebook, we're sorority sisters. I saw where she had posted, hey, you know, you're looking for some new insurance. You're looking for some better rates. Hit me up. And I was like, listen, girl, I don't know what you can do for me, but here's his information. And I'm telling you, she found me insurance that was like 60% lower than anything that I was finding. And it was, it's amazing. I'm telling you, give this chick a call. She is awesome. She can help you out. Even if you're like, I think that I'm okay. I'm just going to hit it up just to see maybe. Because you can be paying so much less. For the same level of insurance, give Haley a call, 304-346-9181. I will put her phone number in the show notes. Check this girl out because she can save you a ton of money. Hi, I'm Katrina. And this is Sydney. And this is Murder Obsessed. So today I... um. I was looking through some of my true crime books, trying to find something that, um, some kind of topic that I could do. I have like five true crime, like novels, but I've currently been devouring A Court of Thorns and Roses. If you have not read it, you need to read it because I read the series and then turned around and reread the series like immediately. And I have never done that before I have didn't even do that with the Harry Potter series like it is so good and now I'm like what do I do with my life because I just want to reread it again I don't think I've ever even heard of it look it up it is so good so good anyway so I've not had time in between um trying to finish my novel I have three chapters left to finish my novel and then my dumb self went ahead and started another novel because this idea hit me and I was like, this is so good. And so like for the past couple of days, I've just been typing on the new novel because it's kind of like when I write, like it just flows and it just like flows out of me. And the, mm-hmm. like the story is there, it's already there. Like I didn't make it up. I'm just kind of like telling the story that someone put in my head. And so while it's flowing, I'm like trying to get it out. So I've been nuts on top of teaching fitness classes, teaching at um, my school. So, and I know I'm talking like I'm on crack. I am not. 
and you've been like you've pretty much been doing most weeks on murder since I've been crazy it's always one thing here it I mean and that it's life and that's why like when you're like hey can you do this week I get it girl I get it (laughs) believe me and I like research and I am quick at it because I do it so often for my job Mm -hmm. that it's no biggie and I found a really cool um really cool one um okay so I'm gonna I'm gonna start start on my 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 case drive down the alley and park in the gravel driveway next to the garage I'll leave the garage door partly open so you can sneak in underneath then close the garage door behind you that's not exactly the typical instructions you would expect from a girl to meet for a first date but that's similar to what Giles Tetralaunt received. Giles had been chatting on the dating site plentyoffish.com with a girl named Sheena, and this was to be their first meeting. But Sheena didn't exist. Giles followed the strange instructions and snuck in under, underneath the garage door to find himself in a dark garage with a man in a hockey mask and a blue light in his hands. The blue light was from an 800 volt stun baton which was shoved in Giles' stomach. He immediately fell to the ground and his attacker stuck duct tape over his eyes. Giles managed to tear the duct tape off his eyes. Okay, first off, ouch. Right? I was just thinking, like, I always have, like, not even thinking about my regular eyelashes. I have eyelashes. I gotta get eyelash extensions. So, like, it's gonna rip out every eyelash I have. Because if it sticks to, like, an eyelash it's gonna rip that out and then if it sticks to an eyelash extension it's gonna rip that out too well, it, it's painful enough when it's like put on your mouth, and mouth? You off. but like yeah. i'm thinking like duct tape on your eyes you're ripping out your eyebrows you're ripping out your eyelashes eyelashes and you're like the skin on your eyeballs like your eyelids is tender like it's a, a super thin, thin super thin yeah i look like without face makeup like i've just come to deal with it any Vampire Diaries fans, I look like them. Like, I have the veins under my eyes oh, yeah. all the time. Oh, yeah, got so, you. Yeah, I can't even, no, I can't even imagine. No. When I was reading that, I was like, ow. But also, your adrenaline's pumping because your body is in, like, that fight or flight, and you're like, I'm about to die. Right. Anyway, when he rips off this duct tape, uh, one second. Uh-uh. Sorry, I had to go cycle my children. Now we're back. (laughs) So once he ripped the duct tape off his eyes, he found a handgun pointed at his face. He could tell from the eyes peering out through the hockey mask that this person was crazy and intended to kill him. I don't know how you could tell that from the eyes, and but not the gun pointed at your face. But yeah, in retrospect, I could be like, oh yeah, he had crazy eyes, but (laughs) that was probably me laying on more of the this bro crazy yeah anyway he made a split second decision to try to grab the gun from his attack super brave because a lot of people's initial reaction is not to grab the gun it's to either run or to like freeze because there's a gun pointed at your face right but the moment he he got his hands on the gun he had a revelation the gun was made of plastic it was a fake 
Giles fell to the floor and rolled as fast as he could back under the garage door and into the alley. Once outside the garage, Giles realized that he could not run. The sun gun baton him and made his legs temporarily useless. He tried to crawl down the gravel alley while his attacker tried to pull him back by the legs back into the garage. Giles looked up and saw a man and a woman walking their dog and watching the whole ordeal. He called to them for help, but his attacker laughed and said, come on, Frank, let's go back in the garage. The attacker, was trying, yeah, the attacker was trying to make the couple believe that it was all a silly game. The couple walked away, worried that it was a trick, and the two men were trying to rob them. Okay, first off, I understand, like, walking away being like, I don't know if this is some kind of ploy, because I've watched Devil Rejects, and I, I know that that's a thing. <laughs> but, like, how about once you get out of sight, you call the cops and be like, right. Yo, I don't know if this was like someone trying to rob me or if someone's hurting someone else, but you might want to come check this out. Mm -hmm. But they did not, so whatever. But the attacker hid in the garage, which gave Giles a chance to crawl his way to his truck and drive away. Afraid and embarrassed, Giles didn't report the attack to the police. This was a grave mistake because the whole episode will be repeated a week later with a different victim. Johnny Altinger was a tall 38-year-old tech worker looking for love on plentyoffish.com. Johnny had a close group of friends that he kept in touch with daily, and he let them know he had been chatting with a girl named Jen and was planning on meeting her that evening. Johnny shared the conversations he had with Jen with several of his friends, even up until he pulled into the alley at 7 p.m. on October 10, 2008. Unfortunately, that was the last time anyone heard from Johnny. It was a holiday weekend in Canada, which is where this happened, and his friends were getting worried since Johnny had not shown up for a motorcycle trip they had planned. That Monday, several of his friends received similar emails from Johnny's email address. Hey there, I've met an extraordinary woman named Jen who has offered to take me on a nice long tropical vacation. We'll be staying in her winter home in Costa Rica. Phone number to follow soon. I won't be back in town until December 10th, but I will be checking my emails periodically. See you around the holidays, John. This was Wait, why are there no text messages? What is it? The, the whole email thing. I mean, I know people use like email as a form of, you know, whatever communication, but these are his friends. And he emailed them and didn't just text them. And we have something planned. And he didn't say, I'm not going to be able to make it. I'm with this woman, you know, whatever. Well, for one thing, it was 2008. Okay, so yeah, I don't. I don't know with the whole email and text message. It was 2008. So maybe emails were more prevalent at the time. Right. Um, I don't know. That, that, that is weird to me too, but I don't know. But this was clearly out of character for Johnny and his friend did not believe that he had written it. Their worry escalated when they called his workplace to find that he hadn't shown up. Worry turned to frustration when they called the police and they refused to do anything. 
Johnny's friends took matters into their own hands and broke into his apartment. Once inside, they found his clothes and suitcase there, as well as his passport. With this new information, they went back to the police. Detective Bill Clark was handed the case. Normally, he dealt with homicide rather than missing person cases, but he knew something was wrong in this instance. Luckily, Johnny's friend had a very important piece of information. They knew the exact direction of the house where the date with Jim was supposed to have taken place. Police contacted the person who was renting the home and brought him in for an interview. His name was Mark Twistle. So let's get a little background on Mark Andrew Twitchell. He was born on July 4th, 1979 in Edmonton, the capital city of Alberta, Canada. Although he came from a well-adjusted family, we do not know anything about his parents or his childhood. However, it is believed that considerable part of his youth was spent in the Midwest. On returning to Canada in the late 19, 1990s, he undertook a course on television and radio at the Northern Alberta Institute of Technology, graduating from there in 1999. His contemporaries remember him as a loner However, he maintained a core group of friends. Um, one of them among them was Drew Kenworthy. According to Kenworthy, Twitchell was a good guy, but not trustworthy. While doing joint projects, Twitchell often failed to do his part. But instead of owning up to it, he would invariably make up a story or an excuse. He also lied unnecessarily. Yeah, that's odd. I mean... I don't, almost don't feel like it's odd for your, for you to have that one loner in your group, or not loner, um, what word, like, the one that doesn't do any work. There's always one. Yeah, yeah and, for like, the, always has a reason. Right. You know, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, so, um, Twitchell was an aspiring independent filmmaker. He produced a low-budget Star Wars fan film and was working on another film inspired by, by his favorite TV show, Dexter. During, oh. during the interview, Twitchell seemed genuinely surprised at the idea that someone had used his garage for an assault. He gladly offered to show them around the garage, which he used as a makeshift movie studio. When he showed them the garage, he told police that the padlock on the garage wasn't his. Someone had apparently switched the lock on the garage door. Once inside, he showed them the props he used for his film and even showed police the script he was working on called House of Cards. The House of Cards storyline featured a serial killer who finds his victims on the internet and lures them back to his kill room, where he uses a stun baton and a hockey mask to incapacitate his victim. Police had their suspicions about Twitchell, but without a body and no evidence of a murder, they had no reason to hold him up. They had to let him go. Afterwards, Detective Clark rewatched the video of the initial interview with Twitchell and believed he was being honest and upfront. I mean, why wouldn't they believe that? He's like, yeah, come in, let me show you everything. This is all that we got. Like, he, you know, he acted very innocent. Right. You know, they just saw him as like a movie geek making a low budget film. Oh, yeah. Police had no idea that Twitchell's movie script matched exactly what had happened to Johnny. 
In a bizarre move just after the interview, Twitchell sent an email to the detectives titled, more info that might be useful. In this email, he claimed that he suddenly remembered that he had bought a car from a guy at a gas station. He explained that it was just a random guy that approached him and said, hey, I want to sell you my car. Twitchell only had $40 on him at the time, and the guy accepted it. The car was a red Mazda worth $20,000. Twitchell claimed that the guy said he had met a rich sugar mama who was going to buy him a new car when they got back from vacation. So what? I don't care if I have a sugar mama. I'm not giving you my car, you freak. Yeah, for 40 bucks. Like, there is not a car on this planet that is drivable that you are going to be able to get for $40. Not even in 2008. Like, nah, nah, no son. Like, that, that right there is like, like, he was doing fine until that right there. Now I'm like, what? Yeah, yeah. Ooh, it's like, you weren't even sus- like a suspect anymore, but now you are because right. you sent me this really bizarre email. So this was all really bizarre, and the detective clerk did not believe Twitchell's story for a second. Um, good, because if you did, you'd be an idiot. Right. He looked at the card that he claimed to have bought for $40 and discovered that it was a red Mazda registered to Johnny Altinger. This tied Twitchell directly to Johnny. The new information certainly made Twitchell their main and only suspect. But again, they had no reason to hold him or even issue a search warrant without evidence that a crime had been committed. Detective Clark decided to go to the public for help. That's when the couple that were walking their dog down the alley came forward. When they searched, when they heard the news, they assumed that they had watched the attack on John Altinger and told the story to police. But police quickly realized the attack the couple were describing happened a week earlier to Johnny's disappearance. Police now had the realization that there was a second, second victim out there and they had no idea if this person was alive or dead. A month after his attack, Giles Tetralonk, and I know I'm mispronouncing that, heard the news that Johnny had gone missing at the same garage where he had been attacked. He knew that it must have been the same attacker, and it compelled him to finally go forward to tell the police his story. Armed with the new information of Giles' attack, police now knew that a crime had been committed at the garage, and they believed Twitchell was the attacker. A search warrant was issued for both Twitchell's car and the house he was renting. When investigators arrived, they found a mountain of evidence. Okay, so first off, I love a dumb criminal. Do not get me wrong. I love a dumb criminal. I love it when they make it easy. But first off, you were no longer a suspect until you put your nose back in it and came up with this dumbass story and made yourself a suspect again. But then, and like already knowing that someone had got away from his first attempt at this he didn't clear out his garage like he didn't get rid of any evidence because upon searching the garage they found the hockey mask stun baton garage bag duct tape knives plastic coveralls and pellet pistol all with traces of blood 
there was blood all over the walls, floor, and kill table. Which, if you've watched Dexter, have you ever watched Dexter? No, my uncle Ed keeps telling me, you'll love it. It's, it's a you show. And I still haven't sat down to watch it. So I, I know like, I the plot. I've watched a brand new season, but I've watched, uh, I think there's nine seasons and there's a, a new season that either is coming out or just came out that's like mm-hmm. set after all that happened. Um, first off, I did love it because, I mean, it's a serial killer, obviously. Right. Um, but like he has, he like takes all these precautions because he's actually the Dexter, the character, is actually a blood spatter analysis for mm-hmm. the like forensics and etc. So like mm-hmm. he knows how not to get caught. He's he's kind of like a vigilante or something yeah. though, right? Like, yeah, that's what he he's does. not just he's, killing anyone. Exactly, he's not killing innocents. He's killing murderers, <laughs> rapists, pedophiles, etc. Mm-hmm. But this dude. Um, is just luring poor lonely men. There was even an empty water pitcher with blood residue all over. Twitchell had claimed that these were all just movie props and the blood was fake. But further testing showed it was real blood and the DNA matched Johnny Alcina. The trunk of Twitchell's car had a huge pool of blood and in the back seat they found his laptop covered with Spider-Man stickers. When computer forensics experts got inside the laptop, they found the most banning evidence. In the deleted files, they found a file titled SK Confessions. The text was horrifying. It was a detailed account of his butchering and dismemberment of Johnny Alton. It even spoke of the previous victim that narrowly escaped. Give me one second, because I think that I have his confession in the appendix of this book. And if I can well, get it, I'm going to read it. Since we're on this guy, let's just say, guys, come on. I mean, POF, um, all those sites, especially stuff like Plenty of Fish. I feel like it's tender. I feel like all those are more hookup sites than dating sites. And I'm not judging anyone. Hook up all you want, but gosh, be careful. Yeah. That, be careful. The whole thing of like having them come through and like crawl under like no, 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 no. I mean, you're not a teenager and and, and their parents aren't away for the weekend. You know what I mean? You're not s- sneaking up to get, what, what do they call it now? A stinky, a sneaky link or whatever with your high school girlfriend. These are adults. Why should you have to do that? And I mean, you know about my past relationships and one, the one that is regretful the most, that I dislike the most. Anyway, I knew him from high school we graduated together and we started talking through Facebook messenger again when we got together and I remember Natalia you know Natalia being like listen you don't even know him anymore he's probably gonna make you into a skin suit because of Silence of the Lambs and you know and I was like so she like continually texted me the first weekend 
I went to see this guy, even though we knew him, we, we yeah. graduated with him. Yeah, she was like, like, you haven't seen him in three years. He could be a psycho. And I was like, Ugh. turns out he was the psycho guys. He didn't try to make a skin suit out of my stuff, but he was the psycho. So I just never should have started that. Yeah. The, like, okay. First off, the SK confessions is like 20 pages. So I'm not going to read that, but, um, no. shut up if you want to look at a full copy of the I'm assuming SK means serial killer um, guess. his serial killer confessions but anyway so the police arrested Mark Twitchell on Halloween they held him in jail for months while detectives poured through the evidence and built a case against him they still needed a body to help their case and to bring closure to Johnny's family and friends Months and months went by, but Twitchell wouldn't say a word about what he had done with the body. The text of SK Confessions went into graphic detail about he had dis- how he had dismembered the body and put it down a storm drain. Okay, so how big is a storm drain? Like, they're not huge, are they? I don't know. Is that like a Pennywise drain? Or did you use a call? Oh. Sorry, my husband's a contractor. He's telling That's, me. Uh, two of them. I don't know. Yeah, when I think storm drain, I just think, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm like a culvert, culvert kind of thing, maybe. Um, well, knows. Yeah. Well, he's like, wait, I'm talking about a sewer drain. So I don't, I don't know. Well, I mean, is, is a storm drain just not something like, like the Pennywise drain? Do you know what I mean? Like that way I put floods. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Maybe that is it, which. Yeah, but it's not very wide. Like it's long. But what did he say? It was like he was probably right. It probably is thirty some inches. Like the long, the length of it. I'd say that was right. That is true. Um, and I know, like one time when we lived at this one house, there was like this whole coven of raccoons that lived that lived in the the culvert or the storm drain by our house. Um, so I guess if you know a, a fat raccoon gets it down in there, you can fit a dismembered body oh yeah i'm sure but anyway police searched sewers within one mile radius of twistle home using snaking cameras but no luck in discovering the remains twitchell wouldn't speak so detective green put him in the back of his police car and drove him around for hours near the murder scene trying to get him to disclose the location but the plan didn't work several months later twitchell got a new lawyer and police received a phone call. Twitchell finally wanted to tell them where the body was, possibly thinking that his cooperation would help his case. The lawyers gave police a map printed out from Google Maps with exact directions to the storm drain. They located it only a few blocks from Twitchell's home. During the trial, Twitchell took the stand in his own defense. His lawyers tried to paint him as a normal guy, just a young man with Hollywood ambitions. They claimed that his plan was to lure a few men to the garage, scare them, and let them go, hoping they would tell their story and it would be good publicity for his upcoming movie. (laughs) 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 I don't just said, that's the dumbest shit I've ever heard. (laughs) Yes, yes it is. And the story was ludicrous, and the jury did not mind. It only took four hours for the jury to return with a guilty verdict. On April 12, 2011, Mark Twitchell 
was sentenced to life in prison with no parole for a minimum of 25 years. So you move on to Um, No, I don't think so. I think this was in Canada. Um, so currently, he is now serving his sentence at Saskatchewan Federal Penitentiary. A medium, I just, I totally butchered that word. (laughs) A medium security facility located one kilometer west of Prince Albert, Saskatchewan, Canada. Twitchell's case has inspired two nonfiction. The first is The Devil's Cinema, the untold story behind Mark Twitchell's kill room, written by Steve Laboon, Laboon, Laboon. And the other, The One Who Got Away, Escaped from the Kill Room, is written by Giles Tetrault, his intended victim, who he failed to kill. So, like, the title of the the article that I read was called The Dexter Wannabe. Mm -hmm. And so, like, when I was kind of glimpsing through the SK confession, um, he talked about how much he loved Dexter and, you know, and all of that. But to me as a person who's watched Dexter he his kill room was not at his house it was not somewhere that was tied back to him it was you know somewhere else and he threw his bodies out to sea he did not stick them in a storm drain but yeah so but like I said we love dumb criminals because yeah I mean, they get caught thankfully right <laughs> the the whole thing to me is just this is like I mean no disrespect obviously to anyone who is actually killed by this guy but this is one of the like most laughable serial killers we talked about it is it's like it's it's like you made this up this is not legit this is fake yeah this is this is fake right but no and and like you said though so many people meet on dating websites and they go alone to meet these people. And it's like, I, when I buy something, like when I buy something off marketplace or something like that, either I have someone come with me to go pick it up or I'm like, we're meeting in a public place. Oh yeah. When I met for my dogs last time we sold the golden dog, um, Tyler wouldn't let me like go anywhere by myself. And one of them was, like, a lady. Like, she posted videos of herself on Facebook. Like, I knew her. And I was meeting her at Elkview at GoMart. And he was like, you don't need to go by yourself. I'm like, I have a gun. And I'm going to be in the GoMart parking lot. They're going to see me. You know, if they... I don't know. Also, I know, you know, I'm not being, like, all anti-men. But... This guy was smart enough to target men thinking, you know what? These guys want to get laid. They're going to roll up under a freaking garage door. I mean, yeah. You could text me and be like, okay, when you come, park in the alley and just knock three times on the the side window. And I'd be like, listen, that's too much work. Yeah, no, like there's like three people in my life that could ask me to do something weird like that. And I'd be like, cool. Like, Well, first of all, if, if I'm one of those people, just know that if I ask you to do that, we're hiding a body. Yeah. Well, yeah. And like, like, they, like you and like my mother and like Chloe, 
are like the <laughs> only three people that if they sent me a cryptic text like that, I'd be like, on my way, sis. Oh, yeah. Anybody else, I'd be like, um, just no. know when I roll in that garage that I'm going to be rolling with like my samurai sword or something. Yeah. Like, I am yeah. coming prepared. Right. You ain't coming at me with no baton fake gun. I will flash you. Because <laughs> I trust nobody. No one, yeah. <laughs> Especially if I meet you online, please know that I'm coming prepared for you to try to kill me. Right. And you will not walk away from that situation. I will. <laughs> but yeah, no, yeah. That's, that's just crazy. And like, the sad thing is, these dudes were good dudes. They just yeah, they right. met someone on, on an online dating site. They talked to them. It wasn't like they were pedophiles and they were talking to 13-year-old girls. They were talking to full, what they thought were full-grown women, you know? And they trusted that and one of them lost their life because of it. And that's awful because it's like, these guys did, they did nothing wrong. Like, they weren't bad dudes. Like, you want to be like Dexter. Not that vigilanteism is a good thing. Because don't. There's laws in place for a reason. Mm-hmm. But like, this is not like Dexter. Like, Dexter yeah. did not just kill random innocent people. Not that it made it any better. And it is a TV show, okay? One of my favorite Maybe. TV shows is Criminal Minds, but I'm not a serial killer. I think that my uncle Ed might be recommending the show to me for a reason. Because, you know... <laughs> In public, you know how I am. I am probably, I try to be like Little Miss Sunshine, nice to everyone. But in my home life, I'm like, I'm going to kill them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, maybe that's why Ed thinks I should watch it because he thinks Sydney would like that because she wants to kill everyone. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I got you. I got you. Uh, I definitely threaten people's lives way I'm more sure. than I should because it's definitely illegal, but when I say it, I don't actually mean I'm going to kill you because that's right. a lot of work and you're not worth that much work. Right. Like, I got to hide your body. I got to come up with an alibi. I know. I can't even threaten my husband now. It used to be I threatened him all the time because we had a pig. And it was like, listen, Penelope will eat every piece of you. I don't even have to worry. I'll just drag you down there. Well, yeah. And the beauty of living in Clay County is there's enough mine shafts that somebody right. can just- find you. But I'm in Parkersburg now. So <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I don't know where any mine shafts are in Parkersburg, and I don't have yeah. a pig in my backyard, so call I'm me. Gotta not kill you. We'll marry Ann and Wanda. It. That's right. We'll bring the That's body right. up to Clay County. So. So all of our listeners were totally joking. We're not killing anyone. Yes, just um, kidding. And it's not funny to kill people. It's not. And this dude, I'm very glad that he's spending his life in prison because he's obviously a sick and twisted individual. Um. And my heart goes out to um, Jimmy's friends and family because, like oh, I said, yeah. he did not do anything wrong. He just And I didn't mean that, like, I totally should have made that, shouldn't have made that joke about, you know, I was just meaning the links men will go to oh, yeah. for their hookups. Like, I'm just too lazy. Like, Well, and I also feel like if it would have been, if he would have tried to play that he was a man and talking to girls, I don't know if the girls would have done that. Right, you know what I, right, mean? That's what I don't I, yeah. think that a female would be like, yeah, I'm going to roll into the garage and, and, yeah. Yeah, like, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's some thirsty girls out there that will totally be down for that. And I know some thirsty girls. Same. But I just feel like girls would be less likely to put themselves in that Maybe situation. more leery, too. Yeah, you know, of 
even if it turned out to be the dude you're talking to, he could still overpower you and hurt you. Right. You know, so like these dudes are like, I'm meeting a It's shit. a girl. Like, yeah. I'm not scared. I'm meeting a girl, you know? Yeah. But anyway, yep, that's the Dexter wannabe. Um, he's an awful, horrible human being. And um, yucky. He obviously needs to be where he's at with his prison. And um, so I am Katrina. <laughs> this is Sydney. And this has been Murder Obsessed. Stay listening, stay murder obsessed, but do not be obsessed with murdering people or think that TV shows should be made in real life about serial killers. I mean, except for if anyone meant to contact the guy that plays Klaus Michelson and turn him really into a vampire, if that's a thing. And then yeah, like if him, we're, yeah. I have some shows that if we're making real life, I could throw right. out there. And Unless Dexter that. would not be one of them. Right. Bring me Klaus Michelson. That's why my dog's name's Klaus. He's I'll take my life as well. She can have she can have Damon. I'll take Klaus. Just send him our way. Yep. All right. Bye guys. Later.